0: Hey, guys, this is producer Justin. Uh, We thought it'd be nice to give you guys the first ever episode from almost five years ago, coming up on four and a half. Uh,
1: Original hosts were Paul and Scott. So uh, enjoy the first ever episode and uh, let us know how much different you think we've changed. Thanks for listening.
2: Welcome to the first ever episode of the Diesel Performance Podcast.
1: I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Scott Henricks. Welcome. We think you're gonna dig today's podcast. Well, hopefully every podcast we do, because there is something for everyone. And by
2: everyone, we're talking about the Power Stroke guys, the Duramax guys, uh, anybody who loves a Cummins, the three most popular domestic diesel engines. That's really what the focus of our diesel performance podcast is going to be on.
1: Yeah, We definitely wanted to produce an episode that covered the basics for each manufacturer. Most of you probably have a preference, definitely, uh, myself included. We're thinking about the diesel newbies as well. And hey, maybe Duramax lovers would love to hear a little bit about Blue Oval as well, or... Maybe not. Or not. Or not. <laughs> this next guest is somewhat well known between the Duramax and Cummins crowd, is one of the top EFI live tuners in the country.
2: Nick Pregnitz is the owner and founder of Calibrated Power Solutions. And for full disclosure, he is actually the executive producer of the Diesel Performance Podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. If you ever wondered about diesel engines, LB7s, the LML, their differences, similarities, weaknesses, or you need someone to really confirm the fact that you know very little about these engines, <laughs> Nick is your guy. <laughs>
2: That's absolutely correct, Scott. I'll tell you what, I've, I've worked with Nick for a long time, I've known Nick for a long time, and uh, man, there's not a situation that I talk to him where I don't learn something. Nick, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here, man. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're getting a chance to dive in and talk specifically about the performance aspect of Duramaxes. Uh, we thought, who better to ask than Duramax tuners, very own Nick Pregnitz. I've only been doing it for eight years, so I, a what, I what I've picked up along the way could <laughs> potentially help your viewers. I don't know way to downplay it. way to downplay it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to. Yes. I want to dive right into to kind of the the lineage of Duramaxes here, if we can. Uh, we're going to start with the LB sevens that ran O one to O four, okay. and then I'll bug you a little bit about the blemish known as the LLY. Oh four and 05. I Think you're real funny with that one. I I really really hate LLYS, not as much as like other model trucks, but you're making out them of cry. Duramaxes. I don't mind. Um, we'll dive into the LBZs. Uh, if you've been on a forum, they'll call that the pinnacle of the Duramax. I disagree. Uh, that's okay. Everybody's welcome to their opinion. Yeah, even the wrong one. And then we'll talk about LMMs, and of course my favorite, the LML. Uh, but let's get started here. LB7, if I am a first-time diesel buyer, what's awesome about it? What's terrible about it? What should I know? Yeah, so if you're a first-time diesel buyer and you're a Chevy
0: guy, I mean, you probably had a small-block-powered truck, a Vortec truck, a big-block truck, and now you're coming into your big-boy pants, you got a job, and you're looking for a truck, right? You're looking for (laughs) a diesel because all your friends have diesels, and they're fast, and that's fucking fun. So you're going to check out the 6.5. Right. Oh, no. You want to talk about blemish on the, you know. I was trying uh, to avoid it, but yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's dive into it. I had one. I mean, let's not. It's junk. (laughs) Avoid at all costs. Do not buy a GMT 400 with a diesel. Okay, they're garbage. Uh, The Duramax is a 6.6 liter. So if you see a 6.5 liter GMC or Chevy truck, just avoid that at all costs. I, I think that's solid advice. Yes. So starting in 2001, Chevrolet came into the market with a Zuzu power plant called the Duramax, 6.6 liters, and they retained their V8, which, you know, I think is kind of a marketing thing. Uh, kept the aluminum heads. It's kind of a holdover from the small block LS1. Like, look what works for us. V8 aluminum heads, we're badasses. Melded that with a common rail injection system and brought just a,
2: a real rocket to the diesel arena. I mean, that's what changed it though, wasn't it? Because let's be honest, block, cylinders, that, uh, that stuff, not as big of an impact on the diesel market as running common rail. Common rail is a, is a major, major step
0: up. You know, you went from a 195 horsepower 6.5 to a 300 horsepower LB7. <laughs> Torque numbers jumped up big time. Reliability jumped up big time. Um, and the rest of the truck came up also. You know, you got much better cooling capacity. You got an Allison 1000 transmission instead of the 4L80. So you got just... The powertrain front to back, I mean, at the the rear end, you got an 11.5-inch AAM axle. You're not going to break it. You know what I mean? They don't break up to 800 horsepower, so solid. (laughs) Allison 1000 Transmission, uh, when built right, can easily take 800 horsepower. Duramax, short block, reasonably solid up to 650. (laughs) Great driving engine, quiet, um, just can
2: you tell why i fell in love with it it is i mean it's it's an easy pitch to be honest with you especially if you're thinking i live in 2001 2002 and i'm shopping for a truck yeah yeah i mean i can remember the first one i drove right <laughs> <laughs> okay so
0: what makes the duramax what is special about the lb7 you know let's say you're going to go buy one you're going to shop for it for a duramax um, lb7s you know they're cheap if you can find a truck that has a good body still Um, you know, they do have body issues, the rocker panels, it's a truck, it's been used, it's been beat. So buy what you can afford, I guess, but if you can find a reasonably good shape LB seven, you know, you still got a good truck. Things to be aware of. Okay. 2001 to 2004 trucks came with injectors that were positioned under the valve covers and they were prone to failure. And by prone to failure, I mean, GM issued a 200,000 mile eight year warranty, sorry, seven year warranty on these things. Just as a service to their customers because of how shitty the injectors were. Their shame warranty. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> we feel really bad about what you did what we did to you. So, <laughs> so here's your warranty. Um, and the the injector job is a big job. It's a fifteen hour job. Injectors are two thousand dollars. So, you know, you when you get into one of these trucks, you wanna be reasonably assured that it's either had injectors recently or that it does not need injectors or that you're getting a discount because it's smoking and idle or the crankcase has fuel in it or has injector problems.
2: I've never seen a Craigslist ad for an LB7 that didn't talk about injectors ever. Always have new injectors. (laughs) Paperwork be damned, but we have new injectors.
0: (laughs) Mint one owner, fresh injectors. Sold. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Why is the coolant hose rock solid? I don't know. Which brings me to my next point, the the head gaskets. So these trucks, uh, a lot of them have been turned up. A lot of them haven't been maintained well. And it's like anything with age, you know, just be sure when you go into it, I wouldn't say they're prone to head gasket failure, but if they're not maintained well and they're beat on and they're turned up, they can certainly be susceptible to head gasket failure. Good practice. When you're going to buy one, squeeze the radiator hose. If it's rock solid, especially if the truck is cold, you know, you're in for a head gasket job. The only way that there gets to be that kind of pressure in the cooling system is if it comes from the combustion chamber. So... Makes sense.
2: I mean, and it's it's an easy test. I mean, we've had guys come by before who weren't sure, and you can walk out and squeeze it. If you can move it with your fingers with one hand, exactly, you're probably good. If it's a rock, dunzo. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and I don't want to come off saying like the Duramax is prone to head gasket failure. It's prone to having bad injectors. It's just these trucks get a lot of miles. They get run. You know, they were good trucks. So guys who had them them through the ringer. You know what I mean. They towed with them. They they ran them hard. And by the time it's ready to sell,
2: you know maybe it's not one hundred percent. I I mean, and two. I mean, we're talking about a used LB7. It's at least fifteen years old, um, give or take. And we're dealing with something that, or I'm sorry, ten years old. And, and we're dealing with something that generally has over one hundred fifty thousand miles. It's not a new truck. You yeah. you got to expect to have something on the horizon. And to be honest with you, if you do an injector job and your head gaskets are good, transmission. I, I mean. It, the last thing to check. And then other than that, though,
0: uh, you are a salesman at heart.
2: Oh, you, you gotta be right.
0: Let me spend your money on a transmission. <laughs> no, I, I get that, man. That's cool. Um, you're on, you're on target. And then the other thing you need to know about LB sevens is their simplicity. So they're not 12 valves. Okay. <laughs> they're not inline six engines. They are a fairly complicated engine. It's a, it's a V eight push rod motor and it's shoved in a pretty small package. But uh, GM did a really nice job with packaging, and they didn't have any EPA restrictions to deal with. This is true. Minor. They did go to Common Rail. They did have, you know, a little bit of EPA stuff to deal with, but there's no EGR, there's no DPF, there's no diesel exhaust fluid.
2: Those are major things if you're considering buying a truck for reliability. Huge nowadays, especially when we're talking about performance, because I I really hope that when you're considering building a race truck or you're considering getting into the performance market with diesel, I kind of feel like you should start with a with an LB7, if you're going to go the Duramax route, you're going to learn the most at the least expense.
0: They're they the easiest to build, in my opinion. Uh, I, do, I do own a few hot rod trucks. Um, <laughs> I've owned several thousand horsepower trucks. They've been LB7s just because they're simple. Uh, I know the platform well. The tuning is fairly straightforward. Not that a common buyer needs to be concerned about that. But uh, yeah, they're easy to troubleshoot. They're easy to work on. So, what does it take to get to a thousand horsepower with an LB7? About a million dollars. <laughs> no, it's 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 fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it can. I mean, it can easily. Um, what does it take to get to four hundred horsepower? Be my first question, right? Oh, so, yeah. you buy an LB7, you buy a tuner, you put that on the truck, you picked up a 100, 110 rear wheel horsepower. The thing feels awesome. It's super fun to drive. Um, it, it's great, right? And until
2: you limp the transmission <laughs> which again anybody listening you will be limping your transmission yes. number five tune is is your friend and your enemy that it just happened number five tune and
0: number five gear together generally equates to a limp transmission uh, the allison just does not hold the power in fifth gear so you know you get that four or five upshift at 83 miles an hour and all of a sudden you're in third gear and and that's no fun
2: wah, wah, wah. yeah <laughs> but
0: if you decide you want to build the transmission and take this thing to the next level, which I can assure you, if you've driven the truck at 400 horsepower, you're going to really uh, appreciate how it runs at 530. I don't know anybody with a stock trans that doesn't want to build one. Hey, what else would you want to aspire to in life than to build the transmission in your truck? I mean, 530 horsepower is a fucking riot. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Like if that doesn't get you sucked down the wormhole of being a diesel head, nothing will. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it's great. Um, built transmission plus tuning plus uh, a lift pump. So, you know, you're maybe $6,000, 7000 into this thing. Uh, you got a truck that runs mid-13s to low-13s at over 100 miles an hour. That's LS1 Corvette territory for those of you keeping track.
2: That's cooking. its
0: its It's good fun, man. It's good fun on the street. Four-wheel drive launches. I mean, you're you're big time
2: right I, I dig it yeah who doesn't need it? To another ticket
0: yeah <laughs> plus you can drive it year-round that's the best part
1: it is, it all, is. Right. all right
0: so we're at 530 horsepower and that's about the limitation of the stock turbocharger so from there we talk to guys we say how much further are you going to take this thing you know if you're just going to go to 600 horsepower we can bolt the turbocharger on maybe still 64 a twin kit get
2: you to 600 horsepower hoorah what's limiting you there at 600 horsepower like if i up the turbo am i limited by fuel now I mean, in a diesel, it's either fuel
0: or air Uh, for, uh, for you listening at home. Fuel is cheap, air is expensive, uh, air is turbocharging and piping and all the fun that goes along with that (laughs) fuel fuel is limitless. I mean, you put a bigger pump and injectors on, you can get there. So fuel is limiting us at 600 horsepower. And the reality is that the stock CP three pump, which is the high pressure pump that feeds the fuel to all the common rail lines. Is out of capacity at 600 horsepower, and the stock injectors have to stay on so long that they start spraying fuel during the power stroke, like chasing the piston down the bowl, right? You know, down the cylinder with with fuel. It gets so inefficient the, quick. You got it. Uh, stock injectors are inefficient, pumps inefficient. So you know, you want to go over 600 horsepower. It's time to update the pump and the injectors. So now you're talking quite a bit of money. Not
2: cheap. Yeah. Not cheap. And I mean, then not the most expensive thing you're going to do during this build but not cheap yeah, yeah. i mean you didn't need to buy a house anyway <laughs> uh, the six, it's just so true it's, like, it's just so true i know so many guys who you, all you know all things i've heard on the phone they're just like me where you know i'll live in a small house as long as i have a nice truck i don't care fuck it <laughs> It's a girlfriend's problem, right? Until <laughs> you put a ring on it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So
0: 650 horsepower is about where the stock rods start to get questionable. I'm not going to say nobody's taken an LB7 7 to 725 horsepower and made it live.
2: <coughs> hey, rod. <Brian>. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> a couple a couple dyno passes. But 650, if you're going over 650 horsepower, man, you better have an engine on the floor in your garage. Because it's about to get expensive for you. Um, stock connecting rods start to get... Affected by compression, so they start to shorten. You lose compression. You get white smoke. You get a rough running engine at 1,400 RPM. Um, yeah. All those symptoms of your pocketbook about to get a lot lighter. <laughs> uh, yeah. So get over 650. Consider a motor. And right. once you're doing the motor, man, it's it's just sizing up the turbocharging system to the power you want. In the case of a thousand, a big set of twins, two high pressure pumps. So two CP threes, um, and then big injectors. So we're talking injectors that are a hundred to 150% larger than stock or more. Damn. Yeah. It gets rowdy. I mean, a thousand horsepower, you're talking about a, enough power to push a three quarter ton truck, 130 miles an hour in the traps.
1: That's insane.
0: That's really fast. I mean, that's faster than a ZR one Corvette, like the new, the new body style. You know what wow. I mean? That's, that's faster than a GTR. So you're, you're cooking. The transmission, the rear end, the all the other parts of the truck start to become less reliable at that point. <laughs> and that's that when, sounds
2: so much nicer than shitty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean that's a thousand horsepower. Um thousand horsepower daily driver, cool idea. Cool idea. <laughs>
2: Okay, so as we get past the LB7, so you've had an LB7, you called somebody and said you wanted to make 1,000 horsepower. Um, Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but you've now decided to upgrade, or maybe you had a little bit more money to get started, and you decided you had to have the LLY. I don't know why. I I can't think of a single reason why you had to have an LLY.
0: I mean, I don't know about your segue there, but I've never had a customer with a 1,000 horse LB7 call and say... Dude, I just really gotta have an LLY. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I
2: just need one. Maybe he just had to have a variable vane charger. Nick. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's like he he needs a thousand horsepower with a turbine brake. Yes, maybe he does.
0: And that <laughs> that guy should start looking for a two thousand four and a half Duramax. Okay, because in two thousand four and a half, General Motors had to make the switch for emissions reasons to a variable geometry turbocharger, and on top of that, you got the added bonus of an EGR system. Yeah sarcasm inserted right uh egrs are junk uh they're a necessary evil and, and the god's honest truth is that the lly was a, a quick production deal and it probably didn't get the r d that it deserved as evidenced by the lbz which we'll get into next but uh, the lly got probably the worst egr system um still got the five speed Allison transmission and uh you know the used market on
2: those is pretty strong (laughs) injectors outside of the valve cover
0: injectors are outside of the valve cover on those trucks one of the few really great parts about those trucks is that gm spent so much money fixing injector problems on lb7s that they decided that we're not going to get in that position on (laughs) loy's and we're going to put the damn injectors outside of the valve covers Um,
2: a little more reliable of injector or no i mean am i still dealing with
0: shit ass lb7 injectors you're not you're not you gotta you know the injector job takes half as long, but they're, they're less than half as likely to fail. <laughs> so you get rid of injector problems with LLYs for the most part. The problems you run into on LLYs, especially with the kind of mileage we're seeing now, is EGR issues. So the EGR system gets gummed up. The cooler might fail. Uh, the EGR valve itself might get just oily, hot kind of mess around the valve, and the valve might fail to seat. And then the engine will uh, run excessively smoky excessively hot, poor fuel mileage. These are all kind of typical LOY symptoms. And the LOYs were kind of notorious for overheating under really heavy loads as well.
2: That's that's what I feel they're the most known for is overheating.
0: Yeah, the the turbocharging inlet on those trucks was like a an amateur engineering competition where they <laughs> awarded the porous design <laughs> the production <laughs> rights uh, the mouthpiece it's called which is the inlet to the turbocharger is just like ridiculously undersized in its design and it creates a, a low pressure zone in front of the turbocharger which makes high heat on the discharge of the turbocharger and it that heat goes through the intercooler gets pushed over the motor gets pushed through the radiator it's just a it's a mess so i mean if you plan on towing heavy with a truck avoid the LOI unless you're going to do the necessary upgrades and the necessary upgrades are probably probably deleting the egr system and putting the lbz induction kit on
2: once you've done that they run really well okay okay so i still got a five speed trans i got a variable geometry turbo what's different about a variable geometry turbo than a non-vgt from the lb7 so
0: a vgt does not have a wastegate in it so there's it no way for exhaust to go around the turbocharging system or the turbine okay um the VGT is kind of neat because you can control back pressure and you can control velocity on the turbine, so you can improve spool up, you can change boost dynamically through the turbocharging system. Um, you can create a turbine brake by creating excessive back pressure in the turbine when you let off the throttle. Now, that's not a factory option, but that's something we can do through tuning. Right. Um, the, the reliability on the VVT is a little lower, though. It has more moving parts. It also has the EGR deal along with it and a PCV that goes into the turbocharging system and puts oil through the motor, which gets burned and pushed through the turbocharger and has the potential to kind of gum up the veins. So we do see uh, we do see more turbocharger failures on the LOI.
2: So we have head gasket issues and we have turbo issues. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, not a blemish at all. Um, <laughs> so let's get onto a good note for Duramaxes. <laughs> I love how you're going to jump into the LBZ like it was just this monumental... I mean, in comparison, I feel like it was. I mean... (laughs) It was...
0: You still got the VVT. You you still got the variable geometry turbo. You still got injectors outside the valve covers. The LBZ got a better EGR system. It got a higher horsepower rating. It got a little bit lower compression, stronger rods, six-speed transmission, Boom! Yes. So all upgrades, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting here the the other shoe drop. But I mean, you got a Bosch controller, which is a little a little more of a pain in the butt. But uh, that's my problem, not yours, right? Um, a okay. Bosch a
2: Bosch controller. Let, let's touch on that real quick. What changed programming wise? Uh, the whole f- <laughs> the whole thing the whole fucking thing <laughs> <laughs> the
0: whole fucking thing. Uh, we went from Delphi to Bosch, and it really it doesn't for the for the typical truck owner you're never going to notice it. The LBZs I think run a little bit smoother. Okay. Um they definitely tune a lot differently. Really? Um as far as the tuning goes, there's a lot different control style in the in the Bosch controller. But uh like I said, that doesn't affect the end user, so I'm not going to take you down that uh, rabbit hole. Sure. Um the 6-speed's a major upgrade and you know, the trucks did have 60 more horsepower from the factory. So they're, you know, they're stronger. <laughs> they they're, they're stronger. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm really just locking myself in this cage, aren't I? <laughs> All I'm saying is, if you were looking at an LLY and an LBZ, and more often than not, they're very similar, similarly priced on the used market. You should absolutely buy an LBZ. Th- there's no question, right? And especially when it comes to building it, I have stronger rods to build off of. I have a six-speed trans that's definitely more reliable and definitely holds higher horsepower. Stock for yeah,
0: One more thing: the uh, the head gasket failures on the LBZ are pretty much non-existent. Oh. Yeah, so there's that $4,500 job, job you don't have to look forward to. So we will be leaving this where you agree with me that LOIs are a blemish. Uh, you've convinced me that uh, the <laughs> LBZ is... Yeah, it, it's, the best, it's the best engine and trans package in an old body-style truck. Totally agree.
2: I like it. Okay, um, how much different is my build in an LBZ compared to an LB7 or an LOI?
0: Um, you know, tuning on an LBZ, because of the six-speed trans, we can go higher, right? So guys running aggressive tuning on the stock transmission if they're if they were limping the trans on their five speed now they're occasionally shuttering the torque converter which they don't notice and they continue to turn the tune up and have a lot of fun
2: (laughs) more nitrous (laughs) yes
0: different (laughs) um they're they're more fun trucks so they'll they'll hold 440 450 rear wheel horsepower relatively reliably i'm not going to tell you to tow on it or go drag racing every weekend on it but you can have a lot of fun with a six-speed trans and not get yourself in trouble sure when they do go. When they do go, price is the same. Um usual mode of failure is a torque converter clutch. You feel a, kind of a shutter in the tunnel underneath your underneath your right foot. Yeah. Um, normally we see that failure in guys who are running gooseneck stuff or hot shotting or just beating the shit out of the truck.
2: Really? Okay. So if you're out there and you're a heavy hauler, you're an over the road guy and you're pulling a heavy trailer or maybe a farm guy and you're really just working this thing to the hilt, consider It's like any diesel, man. If you're going
0: to really use the truck, consider a built trans is probably your first modification.
2: Really? I like it. Okay. We get out of the LBZs, um, the forum favorites, I call them, and we get into the LMM.
0: There's one more thing I want to leave you with on the LBZs. Okay, let's hear it. They are now getting up in the higher mileage. So you get 160, 180,000 miles on one of these trucks. You start to get some really hard miles on them, and you get a fuel system failure. Okay. Now fuel system failures on the LB seven, maybe I'm just used to it. But the price tag on the LBZ is much more. So injectors on an LBZ truck, I mean you're talking about an injector that's almost three hundred and fifty dollars per injector. So you're a thirty five hundred dollar set of injectors compared to an eighteen or nineteen or two thousand dollar set of injectors for an LB seven. And uh I just want you to be aware of that. Okay. That there's the
2: potential for that. Any other potential pitfalls in an LBC? I guess I really didn't hit on anything bad about them because everybody loves them so much. Because you're totally biased towards yeah, buying them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, um, no other real pitfalls. They're, they're a really nice machine. They're probably still the, most, um, the strongest in the resale market okay. for the Duramax. Do you think more so than an LMM? I would say per year. You know, if you normalized for the year and the miles, I'd okay. say the LBZ has the strongest resale. Perfect. Now, there's one little guy. There's the 06 LOY. Now, if you can find these, be sh- now if you can find these, be sure and beat the owner up, right? Because okay. because he's trying to sell you an LOY. <laughs> no, uh, but in reality, here the 06 L O Y is an LBZ in sheep's clothing. Okay, it's got LBZ controller, it's got LBZ engine, LBZ trans. The only thing is that the calibration is set. 50 horsepower back
2: so 310 horse instead of
0: 360 horse.
2: Really that's it, man. I mean, what a score if you could find them, huh? I mean to be honest with you I mean because because you're talking about a significant a significant jump. I mean they're not night and day difference buying an Lly to an LBZ but you're absolutely right. if I'm on the spot especially on a Craigslist deal, I mean, I am going to torture you. I'm, I mean, you're trying to sell me this piece of shit LLY. Do you oh. know how bad these are? Do you know, Do you know, know all the power it makes? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's terrible. Yeah. How dare you? No, they're great.
0: They're, they're great trucks. We get guys calling in all the time trying to, you know, buy tuning for an 06 LLY, and we have to drill into their heads that it's an LBZ. So, yeah, it's... So you got the 6-speed trance. You got the induction kit upgrade. You got the yeah, LBZ yeah. turbo, LBZ EGR. All the good stuff. Score. Yep. Vin code 2. 2006
2: sucker <laughs> <laughs> get it okay. okay okay so we got through our lb7 our lly our pretend lly really lbz mm-hmm. our real lbz's now we're into the emissions era we're oh seven and a half
0: yeah 2007 and a half was the change over to the lmm and it's really easy to identify these trucks because they are a new body style okay so a new body style truck um And and an Easter basket from the EPA. (laughs) So not only do you get the uh, EGR system, now you also have the first year of diesel particulate filters in light-duty trucks.
2: Easter at your house must suck. Um, I get candy at mine. (laughs) You you get DPFs at yours. (laughs) I generally don't eat those bunnies if I can avoid it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this thing is... uh, it's like an EGR on steroids. I mean, not in its function, but in its annoyance to the aftermarket and its annoyance to its owners. Okay. It's a even on a truck that's well maintained, the DPF has the potential to cause you major headaches. It's
2: going to give
0: up. <laughs> yeah, they they don't last the life of the truck, which is the unfortunate part. They're just not as robust as the rest of the system. Um, and when you're buying a diesel truck, who
2: wants that? I. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's. It's one of those again i i understand why there's emissions regulations um for performance application though what can i do with it
0: for performance application well i mean i'm not going to advocate this but there's a lot of guys who delete the DPFs on those trucks and it's uh it's something that can be done yada yada i don't want to attract any undue attention here but uh, let's let's talk about you know, what happens when you have problems with the DPF? Because if you buy one of these trucks and you intend to keep it stock, you need to be aware of these potential issues. Sure. Potential issues are this diesel particulate filter, which is essentially a ceramic filter in the exhaust that collects soot, will uh, fail to burn off or will crack and fail or will cause issues that lead to diagnostic trouble codes, that lead to limp mode which is the dreaded hell of all LMM owners <laughs> being in a position where they have their fifth wheel, their family, and their wife, who is no longer air-conditioned on the side of the road in limp mode. And uh, that is a really bad spot to be.
2: No kidding. Talk about a nightmare. Now, now you had said soot. Uh, soot is smoke.
0: Soot is particulate matter. Yeah, smoke.
2: Okay. okay. Let, let, let's bring it down, right? Let's bring Br- it for, down. For yeah. me, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, So the trucks that I used to see that smoke go pouring out, I got a DPF on the truck. I no longer see it because that is getting collected in the filter.
0: When the DPF is working well, it's a great thing because the exhaust coming out of those trucks, even under heavy load, is is clear. You don't smell diesel. You don't see any black smoke whatsoever. I mean, it looks like a gas truck with a bazooka exhaust tip on it. Sure. It's a nice thing. It just doesn't work very well (laughs) or as reliably as it should, I'll say. Um, the rest of the truck, though, is an LBZ. Uh, so updated EGR system compared to the LOY, and actually the LMM is different than the LBZ. It's got an even further, even more robust design. Okay. Um, uh, the injectors are slightly different. I believe it we went to a 7-hole injector over a 6, or maybe it's an 8 over a 7. One more hole in the injector.
2: Sure. A little
0: Pumped more it. fuel there? I mean, do I have say, more capacity? Um, I would say about the same okay. tuning performance trucks, so uh for a given injector output you'll see a sa- similar output uh horsepower wise in the dyno Gotcha. no major advantages for the performance crowd let's say you delete the dpf i would say there's no major advantage to you buying an lmm versus an lbz for performance okay makes it's sense all looks. it's all looks yeah if you like the new body style buy an lmm if not go
2: obs <laughs> okay um so no major advantages in the LMM, uh, besides the new body style, no major disadvantages with some slight modification. We'll leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, now we start with 2011. Now we get into my favorite.
0: Yeah. I, one more thing before we go there. So there's a, a major change in 2011, but the, the regeneration system on the 2007 through 2010 uses a. A post-injection event to heat up the catalyst. And what that means is that the injector will inject fuel at a time when it cannot burn properly in the chamber so that it gets ignited in the exhaust. And that heats up the exhaust, which when it gets to a certain temperature, cooks off this diesel particulate matter. Thank you. Okay. Into the form of ash. Okay. I, I like that we're getting into the regen system. Absolutely. So the regen system. So if... If you think about this, fuel is being injected into the into the cylinder at a time when it cannot burn properly, which means that more of it will get washed down the rings. Okay, so it's not burning, so it's potential to dilute the oil. Right. Which oils there for a reason. <laughs> okay. So if you have 10% diesel fuel and 90% oil, that's not going to be as good for the engine as 100% oil.
2: Okay, that Okay, so LMMs logical. with
0: high miles on them that potentially had DPF issues you know, you got the potential for a a less reliable down the road setup.
2: What what kind of problems? Let, let's get after it here. I mean, um, am, are am I going to bend a rod? Am I going to just burn a pit, burn a hole in a piston?
0: No, these are more like bearing issues. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> bearing issues, turbocharger failures. So the turbocharger is usually the first thing to see bad oil. Okay. Makes you Might have a turbo sense. failure. Um, just. Parts that get worn on an engine, bearings, turbochargers, that sort of thing, um, they don't benefit from having diesel fuel in the the crankcase. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. And you lose your compression, too, when you start to wash the ring seal out. Right. Okay, so less efficient engine. Which is why, in 2011, GM went to an indirect injector, which is an injector in the downpipe, which sprays fuel into the exhaust directly, not into the cylinder, to heat up the catalyst and burn the catalyst off that way
2: okay so it actually has a fuel injector in my exhaust pipe then
0: yes sir ninth injector it's called
2: ninth injector
0: or indirect injector yeah it's a it's a really nice thing it, it makes the regen system that much easier to calibrate for the guys working on that sort of thing and the the dpf on those trucks holds twice as much soot um we've tuned them we tune them regularly to handle 520 530 horsepower and find them to be very reliable wow with the emissions equipment on I like what emissions equipment does. I just don't like when it fails. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I like a clean truck. I like a truck that doesn't smell like diesel fuel. I like not having black smoke coming out behind me like a freaking whip flag in a dune that says, hey, look how fast I am, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so the LML, it's a, it's a quantum leap above the LMM as far as its reliability and its performance potential tuned. they're great trucks man I really like the LML
2: I mean I'm a big fan I mean not just body but they're they're beefed up the chassis
0: stronger the rear ends bigger the Allison gets a major upgrade holds 550 horse now instead of 440 450
2: which is awesome <laughs> i mean well no i mean we talked about an lbz being a rocket ship or an lb7 being a rocket ship at 530 horse what you're saying is you could bring one of these trucks up to 530 horse pretty much off the showroom floor
0: with a tune you're at 530 horse so that money you would have spent on a transmission in an lmm or an lbz put that towards your lml purchase and forget about buying a trans what a no-brainer right uh, other upgrades for the lml um, It is heavier, so they are slower by horsepower. Okay. Bigger chassis, beefier parts, it's to be expected. Okay, the fuel system has got a major revamp also. So you went from a CP 3.3 to a CP 4.2. Now that's the high pressure pump that feeds the fuel rails, which eventually feed the injectors in the common rail system. Okay, it's a two plunger pump instead of a three plunger pump. And the return is plumbed differently so that when the CP 4 fails, Unfortunately, it takes out the rest of the injection system. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, there's there's a fix for everything, Is right? Is this
2: back to like the same guy who designed that LLY intake? I <laughs> mean, just he, they brought him back out of nostalgia yeah. and said, hey, could you do a high-pressure pump for me? Yeah, they sent him to Bosch and put him <laughs> on that project. <laughs> hey, how can you fuck this up? <laughs> yeah CP4s I read about them all the time man guys talk about it on the forums every day if you got an LML you got to do a CP3 conversion you got to do a CP3 conversion yeah. is it that bad
0: the forums I mean anything that happens on the forum multiply that times the amount of money the guy has to spend to fix it and then you just Exponents into this big clusterfuck that, you know, turns into a stampede of guys <laughs> buying CP3 conversions. You're welcome, Fleece Performance and Worley, right? Like, um, it, yeah, when it fails, it's an $11,000 problem. Ouch. And if it's not under warranty, that's a bad day for you. Oh, right? shit. I mean, that's, that's a, a bad, bad year. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, Talk about living in your truck. No shit. Sorry, (laughs) wife. Yeah, I really, these trucks are much more reliable, I promise. The other differences are the piezo injectors. So the injectors are different. The mode by which they operate is different. Um, They're a quicker, more precise injector. I prefer them as a tuner. They're more of a hot rod setup.
2: LML injectors, let's talk capacity. It's, so you had said that they're, they're quicker, they're more efficient, they're, they're by a new company, Piezo.
0: It's a design, it's not a company. Okay. So it's still a Bosch injection system. Okay. Um, the, the ECU itself has changed. So the ECU is a, another different animal. So you lose your ability to do five-position tuning on the fly for now. Um, you got the Piezo injector, which can inject more fuel for a given energized time. So you turn the injector on. It's called pulse width, how long it stays on, how much fuel volume can come out of the injector defines its capacity. The piezo injector can get more fuel out of its you know, out of its nozzle for a given energized time. Okay. Which for me as a tuner means more horsepower on a stock injector.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, what are we talking capacity wise? I know we had talked about being around that 600 range in the older trucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, an extra 50 horsepower would be a conservative a conservative uh, number for you so if a an lbz could tolerate 600 horsepower pretty reliably and and easily piezo injector can go 650 in the stock lml
2: that's significant yeah to be honest with you especially if we're talking about build costs i i feel like most guys start off by knowing uh or at least thinking they know a horsepower number they want to hit um there's a feel that that we all kind of seem to have about 650 or 750 you know it's this it's this number that i would tattoo it on my chest if i could you know i I have to hit this number but i mean that that's a big deal for for somebody who's looking into performance and looking into to getting into a race truck i know we had talked initially about lb7s being a great platform to build off of just talking fuel system am i Am I better off looking at an LML? Am I going to be cheaper to build the same fuel system to a horsepower number?
0: The reality is you can get power out of both of them. Okay. Um, when, the longer you can use a stock injector, the more you can retain good drivability in the truck. Um, having that smaller injector and that stock, being able to use the stock calibration as a base is a major advantage right. as a tuner to get a clean truck turbo is still a vvt uh, egr system which is around the turbocharger gets a huge revamp too so a lot more capacity in the egr system the egr cooling system which is good because it means it's more reliable the cooling system so the radiator the intercooler the trans cooler all get upgrades so guys towing big fifth wheel guys lml is your truck Not only do you get the GMT 900 platform, which is a more rigid chassis, bigger rear end, which I've said five times, but you also get the added cooling capacity so you don't end up like the LLY running (laughs) next to you overheating with his wife bitching at him. The the LML is the guy with the fifth wheel. That's your truck.
2: Save your money, buy the LML. So if we're talking race truck or if we're talking sled pulling, if we're talking about building power in these trucks— do you still think it's it's just an LB7 game? I mean, would I be cheaper if I wanted to get to 700 horse, or would I be more reliable if I wanted to get to 700 horse? What what should I start with as a platform?
0: What I tell guys is, it, if your if your um, target horsepower is around 700 or 650, then you can avoid an engine build for a while by going with an LBZ or newer truck. Okay. If your target horsepower is 650 or less, really buy whatever you have money for. They're all about the same price to build.
2: I mean, that's a valid point, to be honest with you. You're
0: going to be putting trannies and turbos and fuel system parts in all of them, and the reality is that the price is not that much different. Now, I myself appreciate a warm steering wheel and a cooled seat, which is an (laughs) option only available in 2011, (laughs) so I'm going to look for that truck.
2: Oh, got to have heated leather, huh? Yeah, I
0: mean, it's amazing how much horsepower you'd sacrifice for a heated seat when it's negative <laughs> 10 out. Yeah.
2: Excellent. Well, Nick, thank you very much for coming by today. We absolutely love talking performance and talking Duramaxes with you. Uh, we'll certainly have you back. And uh...
0: My pleasure, man. Anytime. Glad to glad to talk hot rod diesels.
2: Man, I'll tell you what. Just like I said, every time I talk to Nick, I learn something new. I never realized that. The stock injectors and stock CP3 had so much capacity in a Duramax. A uh,
1: 600 horse on the early models, 650 on the LMLs, that's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, and the fact that they come so detuned from the factory... Uh, I feel lied to and cheated, if you will. <laughs> but I guess that's why we got guys like Nick to uh, to right the wrongs of the OEM, if you will. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, this was our first ever episode, and we're really excited
2: for you guys to check out our future episodes. This has been the Diesel Performance Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.